Hello everyone, I'm Derval Barzi, and you're listening to the Climate Conscious Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? And thank you very much for, for having me today. I know you've been trying to pin me down. <laughs> <laughs> We're finally doing it, and I'm very grateful that you're joining me. Yeah, I'm very able to do this. So Dr. Adam Redhead is presently the Program Director of Sustainable Agriculture and Agribusiness Programs at Andrew College, located in Cotbert, Georgia, USA. Dr. Redhead has over 25 years of experience in higher education, designing, implementing, and leading agricultural research projects. So I'll share more about his bio on our social media platforms, but let's hear from the man himself. So Dr. Redhead, tell us when, the why, the how you gravitated toward a career in the agricultural sector. Well, I would say it it all began, I would say, in high school for those in the U.S. and those in the Caribbean, you know, in secondary school. I would say, you know, mainly what I chose to study, especially at the A-levels, but I didn't have agriculture at that time at A-level. So I chose to do geography and biology. And then I moved on to the University of West Indies and I actually did um, environmental management. And I really, really fall in love with the core soil science. I think that's when that opened my eyes to agriculture. And after UE, I decided to, you know, pursue soil science, working closely with farmers on soil erosion projects, you know, looking at different slope types, different vegetation types, as well as rainfall events and how it affects uh, soil erosion across different farming practices. And after I completed uh, my stint at UE, I actually worked for one year at the University of Trinidad and Tobago as a research assistant, and I was exposed to animal sciences. And then um, I moved on to say, you know, I need to, to do a PhD in um, something in agriculture. And I did my PhD under Dr. Marlon Knight, who's also a Trinidadian, right? But he was based in West Virginia University, so I ended up doing my PhD then. So I have a little bit of everything in my experience in agriculture, both from crops to soils, agronomy, uh, reproductive physiology, animal sciences, nutrition, you know, so that's the name of few. And that kind of helped guide me and kind of mold me into the into the scientist and professor I am today. So very diverse experiences, which gives you a very well-rounded perspective on the agricultural sector. And you mentioned the soil science course within the environmental management program, which is the program that I also did. Um, I can't say that I fell in love with the soil science course. <laughs> but but um, many of us, when we think about roles in the agricultural sector, the first thing that comes to mind is our farmers. Right. But there are so many other roles that are just as important and that contribute to the viability of the agri-industry. So it's I think it's a, a great thing to share about your journey within this sector. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
agriculture is, is, is so important, uh, in the world today, you know, especially if you look at a lot of the food import bills across uh, a lot of countries, um, especially the Caribbean countries. I'm a firm believer of that we could cut on that bill by just trying to grow our own food and actually investing in the agriculture sector. Absolutely. And it's interesting to note that historically, you know, many of the Caribbean countries have evolved from an agri-based economy. It seems that we have drifted away from that, but now we're seeing even more why it's important for us to maybe get back to our agricultural roots so that we can feed ourselves. Yeah, we need, we need to do that. Uh, and we need to do that because I always say, you know, the little land space we have, because you know how Caribbean islands are, we're kind of relatively small, right? So, but I believe with the land space that we have, we could definitely, you know, grow our own food for our own selves, you know, and not just look into important food. I think that we need to focus on that, especially the government institutions need to focus on, on some of the agricultural research projects. But I'm getting ahead of myself. That's, you know, that's what we discuss later on. But we need to focus on agriculture a whole, uh, a lot more as compared to other um, industries. I always use the analogy of, you know, oil and gas will last only a specific time period. But when the oil and gas has come, is, is come to an end, that era has come to an end, how are we going to feed the population? You know, so we always have to go back to the roots of planting the land to feed our population. Absolutely. So agriculture is a key component of the Sustainable Development Goals, particularly SDG 2, which focuses on ending hunger, achieving food security, and improving nutrition, as well as promoting sustainable agriculture. The global community is seeking to ensure that there's access to food and there's good quality food. But agriculture also intersects with other goals, such as climate action, Goal 13, Gender Equality, Goal 5. Even goal six, clean water and sanitation, life below water, life on land, you know, it intersects with many different aspects of sustainable development. And coming back to goal 13, which is climate action, we see that agriculture, forestry and land use account for 18.4% of global greenhouse gas emission. This is according to 2020 data from the World Resources Institute. So since one of the UN SDG goals is focused on sustainable agriculture, I must ask for your perspective, for your view on what makes agriculture sustainable in comparison to traditional forms of agriculture. Well, to answer the question, um, there's a lot of terms being thrown around for sustainable agriculture, right? So uh, a more recent term is regenerative agriculture. Right, so regenerative agriculture is essentially very, very similar to sustainable agriculture. A formal definition, if you if you look it up like on Google or any agricultural text or website, um, it could actually say that sustainable agriculture is basically an approach to farming that aims to meet the needs of the present without compromising the ability for future generations to meet their own needs, right? It focuses on a lot of factors. You have, for example, the environment. It's, it's focused on social and economic factors. And all these these three factors actually contribute to you know, the long-term viability of the agricultural practices. Now, just to talk a little bit, very, very briefly on sustainable agriculture, we have basically five main principles under sustainable agriculture. Uh, we have, for example, the environmental stewardship. This is where, you know, sustainable agriculture seeks to minimize the negative impact on the environment. The use of chemicals that destroy the environment, we're not going to use that in sustainable agriculture. So we minimize pollution and waste. 
Then we look at the other aspect of it where we look at biodiversity. Encouraging biodiversity as a central element, right? You know, you preserve a lot of diverse plants that exist um, in nature, a lot of animal species, um, the ecosystems associated with each, which could actually maintain their resilience and their productivity, right? Then the third aspect you have is conservation of resources because we need to not disturb the environment, but we also need to protect our resources, right? Such as water and energy, and we also need to reduce the waste that will be generated as a result of, of agriculture and hence um, enhancing efficiency. And then we have the social and economic aspect, right? We have the social aspect, which actually considers the well-being of farmers, you know, the well-being of their families, the well-being of their farm workers, the local community, the international community, whether sustainable agriculture supports fair labor practices, you know, ensures access to the right resources and actually fosters community engagement. And then, as with anything else in the world, we also look at the economics, right? Whether we create a profitable system for farmers to make money, um, do we reduce the dependence on external inputs? Could we could we enhance our farm for long term um, economic stability, right? So these are just some of the six elements basically associated with sustainable agriculture. Now you mentioned conventional or traditional agriculture and how it compares to sustainable agriculture. You know, um, environment is a major one. Conventional agriculture, as we all know, relies on heavily synthetic chemicals, pesticides, fertilizers, which could definitely harm the environment, right? These introduction to these synthetic compounds could actually cause water pollution. Uh, we could have soil degradation because we know once we degradate the soil, you know, you have nothing to plant into. So therefore, um, you would have no crops to eat, basically, and then no animals to feed on grass to say so that animals could be a, another another um, product of, of this environment, right? Now, if you look at a sustainable agriculture, it actually focuses on minimizing environmental impact through using organic and regenerative practices. Now, remember earlier I said regenerative farming is similar to sustainable agriculture, but they all have the main principles. Now, resource management is another thing um, which we don't really pay much attention to, right? And when we don't pay attention to the especially traditional agriculture, we actually um, lead to inefficient use of water. We, we don't conserve our soils. You know, we use a lot more energy than we actually need to use versus sustainable agriculture, which actually emphasizes deficient resource use and conservation. What I would tell you is that, like for conventional agriculture, you know, um, if, you, if you're thinking about or you're speaking in terms of long-term sustainability, you know, um, conventional agriculture could definitely produce a high yields in short term, which we, we, which we would need um, in very, um, like, for example, poor developed areas or areas that need food. But it, it comes with a cost. And the cost it comes with is depleting the resources and degrading the land over time, right? So we could get those high yields and feed the population in a short period of time but if we look at the longevity, um, we're not really making any sense, right? Now, sustainable agriculture aims to maintain the productivity in the long run by actually using practices that preserve the environment and its natural resources for the future, right? Which is very, very, very important because when we when we farm, we must always think about, you know, the land must be available for our children and our children's children and the future generation, not just trying to uh, produce high yields in a short period of time. Now, another aspect, right, uh, if we look at, for example, you know, with farming practices, whether traditional versus sustainable agriculture, the resilience to challenges. Now, sustainable agriculture is more adapt and more resilient to climate change, 
right, and other environmental challenges due to its focus on the diversity and resource conservation. Now, if you compare that with conventional agriculture, especially one type of agriculture we use, which is monoculture practices, they could be very vulnerable, meaning that if one insect or pest is introduced into your monoculture system, you will actually lose all your crops and you lose a large amount of money. Whereas if you have a diversified cropping system like sustainable agriculture is actually resilient um, to that specific pest, right? And the last thing I'll mention about the comparison between the two is um, social considerations. You always need to consider what happens behind the scenes, right? And traditional agriculture may not always prioritize social um, equity and fair labor practices. However, if you look at sustainable agriculture, it tends to ensure the well-being of farmers, farm workers, and the communities. Because if you look at, for example, um, sustainable agriculture communities out there, um, they are very happy people, <laughs> right? They always want to teach you about, you know, conserving the environment and stuff. Whereas um, the traditional agriculture farms, you know, I'm not knocking the traditional agriculture farms, but sometimes their workers are exposed to a lot more dangers. Um, for example, in terms of breathing in the pesticides and the herbicides. So it sounds like sustainable agriculture is a key to happiness. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people think farming, you don't make money, right? Or you don't make a good profit or you're always on, at a loss. I just tend to disagree with that because you have to always educate yourself before you actually try a system, right? Um, sustainable agriculture actually helps that because it actually helps you to look Look at agriculture from a holistic point of view. The well-being of the environment, society, economic, uh, economics, creating a balanced farming system. And then that's the key to making actually profits in, in sustainable agriculture. Well, thanks for helping us to make the distinction between traditional forms of agriculture and sustainable or regenerative agriculture. You shared five main principles, which I think definitely helps us to understand what this concept means. You mentioned it being a holistic approach to farming. And I think sustainability in general, we always emphasize on this podcast that we want to integrate sustainability into every sector and into everything that we do. It seems to me that sustainable agriculture is definitely the way to go. Exactly. And I wish if any any government officials are listening to this podcast, which I, I hope they are, um, I would say we need to increase the amount of attention we give sustainable agriculture. Yes, all our leaders should be listening to the Climate Conscious podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so your experience spans both the Caribbean and the United States. So you have an appreciation for both a developing country and developed country context when it comes to agriculture. So I wanted to touch on what are some of the benefits that sustainable agriculture can bring specifically to the Caribbean? It actually brings a range of benefits to the region. One thing I would say is that the Caribbean actually faces, you know, a unique environment and socioeconomic challenges that exist, right? And if we tend to embrace sustainable agriculture, we can actually address these issues. The first thing we talk about is like climate and environment, right? Well, compared to the developed world, or North America, the climate in the Caribbean is totally, totally different, whereas we have basically two seasons, wet and dry. But in the U.S., um, we have, like, for example, four seasons, you know, winter, spring, autumn, and summer. So definitely um, some of the practices need to be adjusted. Now, if you look at environmental preservation, uh, the Caribbean is the home to a lot of diverse uh, ecosystems, you know, very fragile coastlines. 
which could actually contain valuable biodiversity. Now, some of the practices in sustainable agriculture in the Caribbean actually prioritize environmental stewardship, right? And that helps to, you know, reduce the soil erosion, preserve the water, and have the overall goal of minimizing pollution. Some of the farmers that actually practice these practices tend to protect the natural resources and maintain, which is very important to maintain that um, ecological balance, right? Now, if you take it one step further, and look at the climate change resilience in the Caribbean. You know, we have hurricanes, we always have rising sea levels, you know, we always have extreme weather events. Uh, when we have sustainable agriculture practices like agroforestry, crop diversification, this actually helps to enhance the resilience of our agricultural system against these climate-related challenges, right? Which is very, very, very important because, I mean, I will tell you one hurricane could destroy a farm and you could actually lose your form of living or making a living. Food security, another aspect in the Caribbean, you know, we could definitely, as I keep saying, you know, enhance the food security in the Caribbean. We could improve the efficiency of resource use. We could definitely promote some of our local crop varieties and have it available for the local population. And by doing that, we definitely will reduce the reliance on imports. Sustainable farming tends to, you know, help ensure a stable and diverse food supply for the Caribbean region. So instead of, for example, um, one of the famous crops growing in the Caribbean, well, in Trinidad, um, dashing bush, you would believe that most of the dashing bush grown in Trinidad is actually grown for export, right? Which is kind of interesting, you know? So we need to focus on some of our local crop varieties and, and make it available to the local population. Now, when we look at economics and we look at the stability of the economics, agriculture is one of the main or the significant areas or sectors in where a lot of people are actually employed and got an income from. Whether or not it's working on the farm, if you look at the, the production cycle going straight to agri-processing plants and, and, other, and other places like that. So agriculture in the Caribbean tends to be the, the predominant employment or the employer of a lot of, of, of local populations, right? Now, if you have a sustainable uh, practices, this could actually lead to increased productivity and actually reduce the input costs contributing to the stability of all of the farming communities, right? Now, I have mentioned soil a lot, so I just want to touch on a little bit with soil, right? So looking at soil health and fertility, you know, most of the traditional practices of chemical is very high, and it actually depletes the soil fertility over time. Now, if you compare that with sustainable agriculture, if you use methods such as crop rotation, cover cropping, composting, it actually helps maintain the soil, leading to higher yields and a long-term sustainability. So having said that, that means that the Caribbean could definitely, because the Caribbean practice a lot of sustainable agriculture, we could definitely be feeding our populations for a very, very, very uh, long time. We have to be able to reach a point where we can actually reduce what we know as reduce input dependency. So instead of depending basically on synthetic chemicals to fertilize the soil or, to, or synthetic pesticides to deal with pests and pest management, we could actually use natural and biological methods to control both pests and, and, weed, and weed control, right? So this actually helps reduce your cost of fertilizers and pesticides as well. The Caribbean region has a very uh, rich agricultural heritage with unique crops and traditional farming techniques. One of the crops, for example, in the Caribbean, and you would not find, like, for example, in the U.S., is something like dasheen, unless you import it, right? Uh, cassava, you know, which is found in the Caribbean and South America. These are things that, to my knowledge, is not grown excessively in, in, the, North, in the North American continent. 
right? So again, we, you know, the rich agriculture heritage is very, very, very important. Now, there's a term that's been thrown around recently, which is term as tourism, agri-tourism, where, you know, is a very significant industry in the Caribbean, right? Most Caribbean islands have some form of income coming from tourism. Foreigners love to come to different islands, so, you know, use the beaches, see the rainforest, experience farming life. You know, they actually have a resort where you could come and be a farmer for a week. Um, the last thing I'll touch on is, um, especially in the Caribbean, we need to have more regional collaboration. Um, adopting sustainable practices encourages this and the sharing of knowledge among the Caribbean countries or nations. We need to be sharing knowledge. We need to be sharing what is successful, what are the best practices, how could we accelerate the, the adoption of new sustainable agriculture methods and improve the entire agriculture resilience in the region. And that's something that, you know, um, I myself have been trying to do by reaching out to a lot of other agriculture scientists in the Caribbean. And that's something I think we need to definitely uh, focus on. Thanks for sharing all those benefits that the Caribbean specifically can gain from sustainable agriculture. I love that you mentioned soil because actually on episode 11 of this podcast, we discussed soil with Dr. Gaius Edoxi. Yes, Dr. Edoxi, once my mentor, now my good friend. And to the point of the the economic aspect, which is an important consideration when we're talking about sustainability, you mentioned that the agricultural sector is a, a large employer. And even as we, if we transition to sustainable agriculture, as we hope, I foresee that there will be even more opportunities for business to get involved in this sector. Definitely, most definitely. We could, we could expand. That's what, that's what agriculture needs in the Caribbean, expansion. Yes, there's so much potential is what I'm hearing from what you have shared with us. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a, it's just to get everybody together in the same room and to, you know, for us to agree on, on, like, for example, a strategic plan to implement in the Caribbean where agriculture is concerned. So let's drill down a, a little more in terms of some examples of sustainable agricultural practices that can be implemented or have already been Im- implemented in the Caribbean or have been implemented elsewhere and you think would work just as good in the Caribbean? There are several practices you could do, right? But I will touch on a few um, I think will be relevant to the Caribbean. So one practice is definitely agroforestry. For those who are not familiar with agroforestry, it's basically a system that actually integrates trees or shrubs with crops or um, with crops and livestock. In the Caribbean, we definitely use shade-grown crops like coffee and and cocoa that have been successfully combined with native trees, providing the um, ecological benefits such as improved soil fertility, reduced erosion, and increasing the biodiversity, right? So that's what basically, that's one practice that could actually be suitable to the environment. Now, another practice, which is very common across the globe, is what is known as crop rotation and cover cropping. Right, so crop rotation just simply means involving a systematic planting of different crops in the field over time, and that actually helps to maintain the soil and reduce the risk of pests and diseases occurring on a regular basis. Now, cover cropping is essentially growing uh, what I call grass species to cover the soil, so that, for example, when you harvest the crops, the soil is not exposed to like heavy rainfall, which could actually wash off those soil particles and make it for and make the soil infertile. Right. Um, these practices basically are particularly relevant for you know small scale farmers in the Caribbean. 
you know, especially with a minimal investment um, that could take place because, you know, when you're starting off a farm, you have to invest money. You wouldn't get money right away if you look at the logistics and the profit and loss or the investments, right? You have to think long term, right? You can't invest in farming this week and expect to make a million dollars the next week, right? You know, so you have to definitely think long term. And this is a practice that, you know, you could practice. Small-scale farmers could definitely, definitely practice. Uh, one of the relatively newer uh, practices is what's known as permaculture. The permaculture uh, is basically a self-sufficient ecosystem, right? And this ecosystem actually mimics natural patterns, right? So how what, what happens here is that it involves designing food production systems that actually work in harmony with nature, and as a result, it reduces the waste and maximizes the resources. Permaculture could very well work in the Caribbean. I know a couple of farmers who actually do it. And it can work across very diverse landscapes as well as if you, if you have limited, uh, limited resources. Now, another practice which we're kind of familiar with is uh, aquaponics, right? And hydroponics. Given that the Carib most Caribbean islands are very small, the landmass is small, you know, and they're very susceptible to extreme weather events, you know, this option may be very, very good for farmers. You know, maybe an alternative to traditional soil-based agriculture. For those who don't know what aquaponics and hydroponics is, essentially, you know, it's like soil loss cultivation methods, right? So you're not using soil, you're actually growing the crops in water and a space while while the nutrients are actually um, recycling. And for example, with aquaponics, the nutrients is actually recycled from what is known as fish waste. Another technique which we could use is what are known as community-supported agriculture. Some people know it as CSA models. have been successfully implemented and actually connects the consumer directly with local farmers so there is no middleman. By subscribing to the CSA, you know, individuals or families receive regular shares of fresh produce. And I'm sharing that produce is also going to foster community engagement and in turn will support the local agriculture. The last one I will discuss here uh, very briefly is what you know as seed saving, right? Seed saving and crop diversity. So we, seed saving is exactly what it is. You know, you grow your crops, you save the seeds, and you use those seeds to grow um, at another crop cycle if you do crop rotation or to grow more crops from, from the natural seeds that it got. What that does is that it helps to preserve the native crop varieties and it's very, very, very crucial in maintaining crop diversity in the Caribbean, right? So there are many crops that might tend to, uh, I wouldn't say go extinct, but tend to be um, less and less prominent. You could actually use a seed saving method and save the seeds so and actually build back up your numbers um, as well. Seed saving and crop diversity, they, they tend to safeguard uh, the region's agriculture heritage. Right, so all those crops that seem to be disappearing, they're actually bringing them back due to seed saving, and it actually helps to um, enhance the resilience to climate change and pest outbreaks. I did some sessions with Wasamaki Permaculture Farm and based in Freeport in Trinidad. It's been introductory sessions, but it really opened my eyes to, I guess, an alternative way of doing things, an alternative way of producing food, and even an alternative way of living. So I found it very exciting. Right. If you're doing it like a one-person farm, it's very enjoyable. It's a lot of work, but the rewards from the work that you put into permaculture is really, really, really worth it. I was thinking, you know, why aren't these principles being adopted on a larger scale, on a wider scale? But I guess it starts with awareness 
And this is yes, where the researchers and academics come in. And we hope that it will translate into the policies that we have that govern the agricultural sector. And then it will filter down into actual real implementation on the ground. Exactly. And, and this is what I tell some of my students too, right? Access to information in today's world, you know, you have no excuse. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have Google, YouTube, somebody else did it. Watch a couple of videos, try it out, improve your method. That's something that's something we need to do, especially with agriculture. We need to get more educational resources, especially for the younger population, because agriculture, in a sense, you know, from figures I looked at, mainly is the older population is involved in agriculture. You don't see any younger, the younger generation being involved in it. They're more tending to go towards the business side, which is the agribusiness side. But the actual sustainable agriculture side is mainly more older population. So I think we need to improve, I would say, how we represent agriculture and how uh, persons perceive agriculture, that agriculture is not just working in the hot sun. <laughs> there are many avenues for agriculture. You can go into research, you know, you can, you can go into teaching, you can go into hydroponics. I know about hydroponics farms that, that make hundreds of thousands of dollars by just using controlled environments and things like that. So that's something we definitely need to focus on. Well, on the topic of education, can you tell us about Andrew College's Sustainable Agriculture Program? So we at Andrew College, we are a relatively small college here, right? Uh, we're located in the agriculture region of Georgia, the Southwest region. Our program is very hands-on. We don't just go into the classroom and, and read from a PowerPoint as the traditional ways. Uh, I kind of designed the program in a way where you get a lot of hands-on experience, meaning that we actually have a community garden opposite the college. And most of my classes are teaching the students about growing crops from seedlings. So they will, we actually have a seed germination lab. And they actually grow the crops from seedlings. When the seedlings are mature enough, they go into the garden, they plant it, and they actually take care of the plants until harvest. Right. We also have a lot of internship programs where we partner with four or five different farms. Uh, one of the farms being White Oak Pastures. Uh, they're located in Blakely, Georgia. You, you probably heard about um, that farm because that's one of the pioneering farms in the U.S. that a lot of people follow to get sustainable agriculture agriculture advisor. The, the guy who owns the farm is Will Harris, a good individual, uh, a very good expert in sustainable agriculture. Then we also partner with uh, AC Bradley. Then we have Turner Tyne Farms. Then we have uh, Kinanoa Farms. Kinanoa Farm is actually a community where everybody who's interested in uh, sustainable agriculture actually do an internship there and work on the farm for some months. Some people stay a year, some people stay two years. You know, so it's pretty interesting. And those are the kind of experiences you'll get at Andrew College. So you could actually come and learn a whole lot about, about sustainable agriculture here, here at Andrew College. For my classes, like I do a lot of field trips to different farms. It doesn't matter how far the farm is, right? Once you get the experience to go see it and actually, you know, have like a field day where you work with the farmers for a day to get that experience, that might change your perception um, about sustainable agriculture. So that's 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 how our program is is basically grounded here. So if you've been thinking about getting into agriculture, this is your sign to check out Andrew's College Sustainable Agriculture Program. And we will include the links, the relevant links, in the show notes. So if you need more information, you can also reach out to Dr. Adam Redhead. Yes, I, 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 I respond to every single email, so email me. <laughs> <laughs> 
You have given us a really great overview of sustainable agriculture and you've enlightened us on some of the practices that are relevant to the Caribbean region. But where should we be focusing our attention? Let's say our regional agricultural ministers are listening to this episode. What would you recommend to them in terms of improving the sustainability and resilience of the agricultural sector? Well, there's a whole lot of things here, so I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) But um, government ministers, prime ministers, presidents, whoever you are, ministry officials, I would recommend the first thing that we need to do is increase research budgets. We need to have a research and innovation department at, for example, at the University of the West Indies. We need to collaborate with other institutions. Uh, We need to invest in agriculture research and innovation in order to develop and promote some of the sustainable agriculture practices. For example, we can look into climate resilient crop varieties. We can look into uh, efficient water management techniques. And we need to support each other's research, you know, support a research institution and especially extension services. The extension people are very important. They're the ones that go out there and work with the farmers and show the farmers different kind of techniques. They are they are very, 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 they need to increase their budget to reach out to more farmers. So essentially, we just need to increase, you know, the research and innovation uh, budget. The second thing, like I was, I was speaking about before, is we need to also increase our education, the way we educate our farmers, the way we want to provide education for people who are interested in farmers. Uh, we need to increase training, right? Um, training both at the scientist level as well as the farmers level. This could help to build a lot stronger programs for farmers in our local communities. We could actually empower individuals with the knowledge of civil agriculture and climate smart techniques, which actually will enhance the ability to adapt to these, you know, environmental conditions and improve pro- productivity in the long run, right? So that that's that's two main um, main areas we need to we need to focus on. Um, the other areas it has to do with policy and like finance, you know. So if we're looking, for example, at financial and market access, we need to facilitate access to credit and financial services, especially for the smallholder farmers, right? The smallholder farmers could then invest in civil agriculture practices and technology, and that will actually improve uh, what are known as market linkages and the value chains, which will ensure that the farmers, vegetables, or the produce, or even the livestock um, animals that he produced will actually reach his consumers efficiently and, most importantly, at fair prices. The fourth thing we need to focus on is policy support. Right. You know, every country has a lot of people battling policies for agriculture. Right. So we need to advocate for policies that incentivize and support sustainable agriculture. You know, governments could introduce, for example, in the Caribbean, you know, tax benefits, subsidies and regulations that actually promote environmental friendly farming methods. You know, and that will encourage in the long run the adoption of climate spark uh, technologies. Another thing is community engagement, you know, foster the the community participation, especially in the decision-making processes, because the decisions, uh, the the, the government, for example, the state body will make will definitely um, influence the local farmers. Encourage collaboration between stakeholders, stakeholders such as NGOs, uh, farmers, academia, you know, like myself, uh, government agencies, you know, Ministry of Agriculture, the USDA here in the U.S., 
right? You'll be you'll be surprised that when you do these things, you know, you'll actually have an engaged community that can actually collectively address the challenges and also share the knowledge and the resources across the civil agriculture industry. And the last one, which which I always, always will always maintain, is the knowledge transfer and extension services, right? We need to strengthen our extension services to actually send out information about sustainable agriculture practices and also, most importantly, to provide the technical support to the farmers because a farmer could read something but would not, might not be able to know how to implement it, and that's where the extension officers actually comes in. So by investing in these extension programs, we could actually bridge the gap uh, between research and, and the underground uh, implementation. You've just done a pro bono consultancy for the region. <laughs> Thank you for your service to the region. But what is one recommendation you would give to the farmer? You've spoken to the, the leaders and the decision makers, but what would you say is one recommendation to any farmers that may be listening to this podcast? To try to collaborate with universities or colleges in your area, especially those that are very strong in extension services. Because there are a lot of access to what I would call free money, right? Where a lot of these departments will actually invest in carrying out trials on your farm and you actually benefit because you get to keep the produce and things like that. So I would say try to reach out to your local extension services. Most of the extension services are normally attached to either a state body or a, a university or a college. So that will be bettering and improving the productivity of your farm. So as we wrap up this episode, I want to ask you, Dr. Redhead, what would make the world a better place? One thing I would say, and it's not agriculture related, is that we need to respect each other. I think the world will be a better place where we respect each other and we are kind to each other. I always tell, especially my students, and I tell the staff as well when I interact with them, is that if you disagree with something, that doesn't mean I don't like you. You know, we just different opinion. So I think having respect and being kind to one another will definitely change the world around. Respect and kindness. I couldn't agree with you more. Where can listeners connect with you, Dr. Redhead? You can email me. You can search Andrew College Sustainable Agriculture Program. You'll see a picture with my email right there. <laughs> if you want to connect, just shoot me an email. Yeah, I'll be glad to work with anyone out there. Uh, anybody's interested in doing sustainable agriculture at Andrew College, please feel free to email me. Yeah, we we definitely here at Andrew College. We are very open to collaboration and working with uh with with partners out there. And I will add, you know, as a Caribbean person, as a UE alumni, you know, very proud to see you flying the Trinidad and Tobago and by extension, the Caribbean flag out there in the U.S. So continue the good work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that, too. I'm all for agriculture. So and I'm all for representing, you know, the Caribbean as well. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Climate Conscious podcast. See show notes for more details. Visit theclimateconscious.com for more info and consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening.